Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Joined on the phone, I have Vance. Hi, Vance. What's up, Andy? Not too much. What's up, people? Oh, yeah. Coming to you live, so to speak. That is a, uh old Bombit, Bob and Tom reference um, from way back in the day. I just love it so much. I'm not going to explain why. You know, cliffhangers. We got to leave people mm-hmm. wanting more. Um, mm-hmm. And we also have on the phone our guest, Ryan Reed. Hi, Ryan. What's up, Yans guys? Oh. There you go. Is is that How like is that, is that like That's a Pittsburgh thing? thing? Yes, dude. <laughs> I don't like know Yins. this stuff. I mean, help me out. I'm Yins. from up north. Yins, you're an hour and a half away. Two hours on your speed limit. It, you know, Yins, and they say things incorrectly, and often people think we're not educated because uh, of the way we talk. You know, but we are. Yeah, that two hours away, I'll see more snow in a day than you guys see in 10 years. That's true. That's true. But I don't see, uh, you know, your town getting out of like a incredible, uh, almost depression, like uh, the steel industry collapsing and the city still uh, just coming around and, <laughs> you know, kicking isn't, butt. isn't Pittsburgh part of the Rust Belt? <laughs> we like to separate ourselves from that. <laughs> the patina belt, right? Four Super Bowls in six years, buddy. Yeah, that's easy. Let that linger. I don't even yeah. have a team. We have some like <laughs> semi-pro. We got like I think the that's like that's that's Pittsburgh's fallout when they start getting like uh, you know, <laughs> shit talked on them. They're just like four and six seventies. What's up? <laughs> that's like fifty years ago. <laughs> Never let it go. <laughs> Never let it go. Yeah, that that is the interesting part, though. Growing up, you know, about a half hour outside of Pittsburgh, southeast of Pittsburgh, you're born and raised on Polish food, and it was Steeler Sunday, and it was something you didn't miss. So, really interesting yeah. stuff. Holoshki. Now, stuff is that still cabbage. a thing? Like Steeler Sunday? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. In my when family, it is for sure. Yeah, man. Like when you're in contention, it's a ghost town. Everybody's at the game or at home watching, you know, on the couch. And that. I mean, What's is it some... because it, to me, it just seemed like there's been a bunch of letdown seasons of just underachieving with extreme talent. Yeah, dude. But that's why like fan bases are good because they still cheer their team, you know let's forget about all those times. Like when they had Terry Bradshaw, uh, dummy dolls hanging from a noose, um, when he wasn't playing good and, um, the allegations of Cordell Stewart and Bill Cowher kissing each other in uh, Wait, Shenley what? Park what when, when they started to lose aside from that, the Pittsburgh fan base just absolutely loves their team. Wasn't there some other allegations with, uh, big Ben and all that other stuff that, is that is that largely overlooked now? I it's just not good juju to bring up stuff on current players. <laughs> okay. I'm learning yeah, a lot. So we'll here. just yeah. But best fans. <laughs> okay. Excellent. All right, Steelers Sunday. That's a new thing. I've never heard of that. Um All right. So let's hammer through these plugs, shall we? This podcast is brought to you by Fat AZ Muskie Products, fatazmuskie.com. That is our website. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. 
uh, Twitter too, but don't even bother. Um, been very active on Facebook and Instagram as of late. We've been selling off a bunch of uh, show colors and some standard colors mixed in there. Uh, as for some recent events, some things may or may not happen. Uh, there's enough about that in the news. I don't really want to bring it up. So we kind of uh, offered it to the public. So I think there's a few baits left. Is that true, Vance? You've been running this one. Uh, yes, there are six baits left. Six baits of what Show styles? Colors. Show colors. We have three six-inch rubber baits, uh, two stingers, and uh, a six-inch raptor. That's not very many considering how many we actually had. So if you're hearing this podcast and you might not follow us on Facebook or Instagram and you're halfway interested in those that could be left, uh, hop on there and check them out or message us through email, the website, whatever. You can get a hold of us there, and we can try to accommodate anything. Um, We'll try. That's all I can say. With that, rod holders. Um, The site is up and running. I am still shipping. That is not a major issue there. We have plenty in stock. We uh, definitely thought ahead, and we made extreme amount of extra parts. So if you're looking to set up a boat, Feel free to reach out. I would be uh, gladly walk you through many different options. Um, some options are better than others, but it's ultimately your decision. And I have no issues uh, recommending another company's product if I feel is a better setup for you. I do it often. I just like to be honest. That's the way I conduct business. Can I touch base on that real quick? If you would like. Okay. Don't throw a question out there on the forums it doesn't work you know you just get iron clawed things call the companies if you're interested in a particular lure or a rod holder call the companies sit down and have a talk with the people that actually handle them and make them is much better uh than um a modern day forum which is a facebook page just pick up the phone, call, and talk to the companies and make a decision from there. Um, yeah, that that would be really that'd be really helpful because, I mean, I started getting this. I started getting salty about this probably six years ago when I was really on like forum forums, and someone would say, "What's the best reel for double tens?" Oh, and it just yeah. got so. I mean, it, it doesn't take two replies, and next thing you know, the thing's completely off track, and people are just sitting there bickering, and it doesn't help. But anytime I see the question, what is the best, I just like, oh, God, that thing, you're not going to get your question answered. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. So, good advice. Um, Muddy Creek, what's up? Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishn is in nancyguides.com. Give us a call. Um, we are working. We have a couple couple dates left in the summer. Um, I'm booked through August. Todd has a couple days in July and August if he feels suit and doing. Um, I know he, he likes to use that for family time. Um, but we're working on uh, the fall dates now. Um, call us. Get on the books. Um, if we are booked up, uh, just remember we start, we're 
we started this last year. Um, we are doing charters from 5 to 9 p.m. June through the end of August um, because it stays uh, relatively light out until about 9 o'clock up there. Um, and sometimes that's just lights out fishing. Uh, and um, so that's that's not a bad uh, idea to, uh, to do if we're booked up, um, especially if you're up there for a week, you want to learn the lake, you got your boat up there for a week. Todd and I pulling the punches. We were an open book out there on the water. Um, give us a call. We'll do our best to get you out there and teach you a few things and uh, get you some fish pictures. Also, uh, on the charter, big shout out to Ranger Boats for the, uh, sponsoring the show and Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. You'll be fishing out of uh, an 1880 angler or a 2080 angler. Uh, we love those boats. Uh, we talk about them, uh, why we prefer them. Over the Fisherman series um, for uh, reasons some people get, some don't. Uh, but we love that open cockpit area, and we love that we can transition into trolling and casting uh, at the blink of an eye. So uh, check those out and look no further uh, than Vic Sports Center. When you are in the market for a boat, uh, you'll be surprised uh, at the price point for uh, a glass boat. At 1880 is very comparable um, to aluminum boats in that model. A um, couple grand off here and there, uh, which is which is really a nice price point boat, and it is great uh, in in the big water. And it fishes like a it's fishes like a champ out there. So uh, check out Vicks. They got Rangers, Starcrafts, Starwelds, Tritons. A used inventory, best service you could find around their fishermen. Uh, they set you up. Um, check them out for sure. Also, big shout out to St. Croix Rods, uh, best rods on earth. Um, we use them, abuse them. And Todd put an order in. We got we got some more coming in, um, and looking forward to using those for another season. Um, also, Baker Bait, shout out to him. Uh, we catch a lot on there, um, on the on those baits. Uh, as you as you know, they speak for themselves. Uh, Sacks a great painter and um, a uh, distinguished lore lore maker. So uh, check those out. And uh, he's been sending me some pictures. He's working on some new paints that I don't want to say anything. But he copied off of us. Uh, what? <clears throat> Yeah, he texted me. He said he was bottom feeding off of us because uh, he got those. Uh, oh, don't the, give it the, away. The, I can't. Yeah, I can't. Anyway, we love Zach. He's not bottom feeding. Anyway. Anyways, and to kind of wrap up our plugs, we have Muskies Inc. Uh, we've talked about it for many years now. It is a great organization to unify the muskie fishing community you should go and join your local chapter several reasons why they will help work with your local fisheries whatever department that is every state has a different little three letter thing um in pennsylvania it they have done great things they've you know for instance we've talked about the minnow fund the minnow fund goes to feed the baby muskies so the baby muskies don't go hungry. They get big and fat. We put them in the water. And guess what? 
they got a jump start over the ones that didn't get big and fat. And hopefully, and as it's showing on the trap nut surveys, we are getting a better yield for our muskies. That is in part of muskies, Inc. helping out the local fisheries. As a lot of people know, a lot of state agencies are in pro, you know, in trouble financially or they're strapped or many different things. Any little bit of injection of funds can help out. And that's just one thing that our chapter has done. We've raised a lot of money over the few, last few years that went to helping these fish. Uh, a lot of club members have helped stock, you know, so you get, you get your foot in the door. It is great. You make the club what it is. So go out, join, be a member, and participate and help in any way that you can. Uh, big thanks, Muskies, Inc. Okay, Ryan, you sat there very patiently. Are you with us? <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. I do, can I expand on the Muskies, Inc. thing real quick? Absolutely. Absolutely. I just really want to talk, you know, from my perspective, is just kind of a, a beginner musky angler over the last couple of years um i was at musky max one year and i heard tony grant talking about musky zinc at one of his seminars and that's really how i kind of got involved with the club it started just from that seminar and then i kind of started reaching out uh, i went to a couple of meetings and the one thing about musky zinc is there's a lot of talented fishermen within that group of people and Really, they do such a great job, like welcoming you into the club and giving you the information you need to be successful. And I think a lot of the success that I've had recently, even though I'm not catching big fish, I've moved a lot more fish. Um, and, and that really came from guys within the club that have been helping me, you know, taking me out fishing, um, showing me different methods, you know, just kind of talking. And that's that's another really awesome thing about Muskie's Inc., it's just really the the camaraderie. It's really a group of people that really truly love the sport of musky fishing and they're not afraid to help you. So I just wanted to add that from my perspective. It's really, really a great thing. Elaborate on that. And uh, just for a correction, you got into muskies Inc. because of us, not Tony Grant, correct? Well, you know, you guys, you guys do a great <laughs> job promoting the club as well. I mean, okay. it, it, it's it. funny though, because I've, you know, I've talked to different guys about the, about the show and, you know, some guys have started listening and I actually, my brother, you know, he started listening to the show and he's looking at joining Muskie's Inc. now. So, you know, it's, it's, just, it's a re really good, really good thing you guys do with it. Looking at joining, it should be a no brainer. Right. Yeah. Cheap and Ryan said it right there, camaraderie you can get your foot in the door. Uh, you can actually get behind the scenes and see what uh, your chapter is actually doing. And I'm a firm believer in without Muskie's Inc. chapters in Pennsylvania and doing the Minnow Fund and stuff like that, I would, I would say that the Muskie fishing in Pennsylvania would be absolutely terrible. And I think it's on the upward trend uh, right now. And I think that a lot of that has to do with these local chapters. I think there's three or four you know there's is there three in pennsylvania well there's penn jersey there there's is Penger. chapter uh the nittany valley i don't know and what, then there's and then 16. there's 16 and there was a yeah. penn ohio and i don't know what happened to that one that was more based like palma tuning area uh yeah. I, don't, I don't know what happened to that but yeah but great organization um 
can't speak highly enough from it. You know, you don't have to always go and be active there. Um, you can be silent members, silent donors, uh, but it's what you make of it. Um, and being at the, at the Muskie Max and stuff like that and being in contact with, uh, you know, our chapter's president, uh, we kind of get an insight on what's going on. And, um, you know, it's all good things. Pennsylvania's in the, in the upward trend. So, Speaking of upward stuff. trend, Ryan, plug your YouTube channel. Uh, I, I can do that. Uh, <laughs> so the uh, my YouTube channel is just Fishing PA with Ryan Reed. Um, you know, just kind of started it to to really share my passion for fishing. Um, I like to I like to learn as much as possible. You know, especially when it comes to fishing, different techniques. You know, native species in PA, and and really kind of share what I'm learning. So that's kind of the whole premise of my channel. Um, is to just to continue to try to get information out there and in front of people. And, and, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun and, uh, I kind of, I, I love doing it and I'm going to continue to do it as, you know, as long as it stays fun. So that's, uh, that's the channel. How many that's subscribers great, so. do you have? Good. Uh, right now I'm, I'm sitting somewhere around the neighborhood of like 27, 2800. So, um, it, it, it's taken, it's taken probably about a year, year and a half to get there. Um, but you know, it's been interesting watching it grow a little bit. Um, gotten a lot of good feedback on some of the stuff I'm doing, and and really, it's it's opened the door for me in a lot of different ways. You know, I've, I got to spend some time up at the hatchery and really see those process the processes, and spend some time with Jared. So, yeah, it's been it's been a really cool uh, adventure so far. Man, I, I, I noticed that you mentioned us. You know, talking. You know, you got you know on the podcast, and it was a big stepping stone in your. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no let's let's break this down though ryan reed when did you start fishing when did fishing i start any, any any species tell the story oh man my my dad had me out there when i was probably you know five six years old um mm-hmm. just remember going over to to twin lakes in greensburg oh my uh, gosh dude i fished there upper, <laughs> really? upper, upper or lower uh, both, but we spent a lot of time on the lower. Um, the lower, you could rent those, like, you know, rowboats. Yep. Oh, my gosh, dude. I used to do that. That was so much fun. Um, this is a hilarious little lake, but we would go there trout fishing and bass fishing. And, uh, you just you just struck, like, a uh, relational memory happening in my brain. <laughs> Continue. I'm sorry to inter- interrupt. No, no, you're, you're good. And, uh, you know, my dad took me and my brother and even my sister over there when we were younger and we go on the first day of trout and, you know, some years the the best we did was finding a good log to sit on. So, you know, kind of grew up fishing some of these smaller bodies of water, like Twin Lakes, um, Keystone state park, you know, places like that. Um, did a lot of pond hopping when I was younger, mostly for bass, but we would throw, you know, we would throw just about anything just to try to catch anything. Um, and it, you know, it really just kind of turned into a passion when I was younger. You know, I can remember, you know, after work, first thing I do is I grab my stuff, jump in my truck and head right back out to the pond. So we pretty much did that every day uh, in the summer and it was a lot of fun. I got a lot of good memories, you know, with family and friends just being out there on the water. So that's awesome. So you started there. I'm just going to add this about Twin Lakes. That was the only place that I can actually remember where I caught something on, you know, one of those little tiny, like 
size 10 hooks with no bait on it. And a trout came and ate the hook. Was it, was it just released from the truck? No, no. Cause we like, we we always would get these rowboats and my dad would use that as like a, a, uh, you know, time for cardio, you know, and he would row us out. Oh, I thought it was a vehicle to drink, but okay. Uh, no, (laughs) like the length of twin lakes. I I don't know how big that lower section is. Could you estimate how big it is, Ryan? Um, I want to say it's, I mean, it feels like it's less than 50 acres. Yeah, it feels Um, like So I don't, I don't know the exact acreage of it, but it's, it's definitely small. It's, it's, it's big just, enough for a paddle boat, but we would, we would row all the way to like the back. Um, and there's a couple islands out there and I, I, I'm remembering this picture of me. I didn't have any bait on the hook because my dad didn't do it, you know? And that was like back when I was a young boy, you know, that when, you know, your father's baited your hook for you and then eventually you learn uh, how to put your own worm on or power bait or whatever it is and uh it was just sitting in the water and a trout came up and crushed it just a hook it's hilarious yeah i got a lot of good memories out there my my uh my wife got her first trout out there back you know it's probably been I mean, it's probably been 16 17 years maybe a little less than that but yeah it's uh it was definitely fun growing up fishing there for sure she so start there and yeah we Oh, God. You, 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 we all have a starting point. It, it generally starts out in like, you know, bluegill and whatever you can get trout on, on opening day. That's a big tradition in, in, uh, in Pennsylvania. It's always like, you know, the second weekend in April. Um, what did it transition, uh, into from there? How did you keep your passion, uh, through growing up? Yeah. I mean, you guys know work gets in the way, uh, school gets in the way, that that sort of thing. But um, we always found time, found time to get out. And I think, you know, I kind of really started fishing for bass really heavy after that, you know, as I was getting a little bit older. Um, but the, the, the best transition for me from a fishing standpoint has been when my buddy Dan asked me to go to Canada for the first time. We were going to go on a, you know, a pike excursion up north. So, I, I did that for the first time. We did a boat in uh, up in Northern Ontario. And from that moment on, you know, I knew that I wanted to fish for pike and muskie. Um, pike kind of kicked me off in that, that general direction. Um, mm-hmm. Just really throwing some of these like artificial baits around and, and seeing, you know, and fishing water for these types of fish was something that was completely different to me. So talk it was, about, uh, talk about that, uh, that trip because Here's like a, a backstory when generally when you're growing up, at least in our age, I guess we're millennials. Uh, our parent, our parents would always that were fishermen generally mine, at least like the crew would always go to Canada. And that was always uh, something that I couldn't partake in because I was young, but that's what they would talk about the whole time. Canada, 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 you gotta go up to Canada, best fishing ever. Um, now, the reasons they were going up to Canada was to, um, you know, fish and also get hammered and it was cheap, but, um, it always like, I later found that out, but you, uh, you like, it was always this like mysterious unicorn thing. Like I have to get up there and, and fish one day, you know, that's all they talk about is this Canada. So you have this, 
Dan, he introduces you to Canada and you get to go um, in Northern Ontario on this pike excursion. Talk a little bit about that pike excursion. I'm, I'm sure you remember it. Uh, what, what was it like going from fishing these little backwood ponds to a long trip uh, up to a Canadian shield? Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it was something that I think I always wanted to do for the same reasons, you know, a lot of people always talked about Canada and it it was really like mysterious to me, you know, just seeing pictures and even the water looks a little different up there to me. So it was, you know, it was a chance. I was really excited about getting the opportunity to do it. Uh, We made the trip up and, you know, when we got there, we got on, on the river and then ultimately, uh, well, it was actually the lake and then on the river system, you know, we were probably eight to 10 miles up the river, you know, away from the main lodge and up there, you know, it was, it's just so, so much different from at home. And you really get to see and be a part of nature up there. You know, you're, you're really just out in the middle of nowhere and, and being on a river system was even different for me because I normally didn't fish rivers at that point. So, you know, it, it was, I think I had caught maybe one pike in my life to that point. And that trip was from the first couple of days to, for us to try to figure out how to fish that water um, and ultimately catching fish. It was just, it was so interesting. I felt like at times I was on a TV show, you know, <laughs> I, I've, I had fish to where you would cast to an area, you would move a fish and then you would, you would reel in basically cast right back to where the fish turned and, you know, they would just drill, drill a spinner bait or a crank bait or, or whatever we were throwing really. And it was, it was just so different from what I was used to, you know, even at back home, like throwing soft plastics or using live bait. I mean, we grew up on a bobber and a worm or a bobber and a minnow. Like it was just completely different for me. Did you set and, your own minnow traps? Uh, you know what? We, we did, we tried to do that, you know, when mm-hmm. I was younger, my dad would take the, the burlap sack out and we would go down yes. to a little stream, um, set it out, go yeah. check it in the morning. Yeah. So we, uh, we tried it. We weren't real, we weren't real good at it, but it was, uh, yeah. I mean, that experience kind of changed my fishing life because at first of all, I'd never really come in contact with that many fish and, the other part of it was, you know, that was really like my first experiences with like follows and, mm. you know, that, that really kind of sparked my interest. And, um, yeah, so that, that was the trip that kind of flipped me from, I would say the bass world to more of like the Esox pike and muskie world. That's interesting. Now this area, why don't you just say where you were? Yeah, we were actually, we actually fished out of, uh, air Ivanhoe. We were up on the Ivanhoe river. Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's a, I would say middle to Northern Ontario. Okay. Decent drive. Yes. Yeah. It took us about, it was about 20 hours, I would say. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then did you fly in from there or did you just hop in a boat, put all your stuff in and go to the lodge? That, that particular trip was a boat in. So we, we drove up to the lodge, packed all of our gear in the boat and went, made the trip across the lake and up the river. Yeah, that's Adventure City. I mean, that's the unicorn aspect of it, you know. That 20-hour drive, you're just like, oh, man, I can't wait to get up there. And then, you know, it's even like the that you have to get on a boat and pack all your stuff and you're going to somewhere else. Uh, 
to start your fishing adventure. That's like, you know, just excitement. That's what it's all about up there. That's what's that's so cool about Ontario and, and, and the Canadian fishing. Um, so that's my favorite place to be. Um, but so you caught a bunch of pike up there. Um, yeah, we, we did. We did pretty well on that trip. Did you do, uh, did you do shore lunches? You know what? We, we did not. I, uh, as much as I would have loved, you know, to do that, we, uh, we just didn't do it. We spent a majority of our time fishing and I think I pretty much released every single fish I caught. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, yeah, we didn't get a chance to do that, but hopefully someday we can do that for sure. No, was, uh, were muskies in the waterways that you were fishing as well? You know, I, I don't think so. I don't think the, the Ivanhoe River has muskies in it. Um, I could be wrong about that. I think that's more of like, I think it's more of like a smallmouth pike fishery up there. Um, but, you know, that's, I would have loved the opportunity, you know, since we were there. But, you know, we just, we kind of just targeted pike, you know, at that, at that point in time. Yeah, that's what you went up there for, you know. Mm-hmm. That, so you, I mean, you know, and it, at this point, it sounds like you knew what muskies were, um, but you were up there for you were targeting a uh, specific species. Um, yeah, and yeah. there's a lot of pike up there uh, you know, when you when you when you go into Canada. But it's interesting to hear how the pike um, just you know, kind of took you down a different path and you're just like, I really want to catch these bigger fish um, rather than whatever's in the, you know, in the backyard. But uh, it's, it's, it's neat to hear that, you know, that was a, a special Canada trip uh, for you. Now, how, how long ago was that? That was probably, I, I would, I would say probably close to seven, eight years ago. Um, mm-hmm. so it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago, but you know, it, it uh, you're a young man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. I'm, I feel like I'm getting older every day, but how, let's just say how old are you? Give or take, you know, let's take a, like in, in, in fishing, in, in fishing inches, low thirties, you know, uh, I, I'm yeah. a low, th- I'm a low thirties. Okay. All right. So you're in your mid, you're in your, your twenties at this point, you know, you're starting your profession, whatever. And, and you, you have this passion for fishing still. Yes. Yep. That's correct. That's very cool. Now you come home from that trip. What are you thinking about? Well, you know, I, I wanted to do more. I mean, once you kind of get to that point, you're, you're pretty much hooked and I think the, the the next logical step for me was I knew that, again, my buddy Dan was a muskie fisherman, and I wanted to try it. You know, I've, I've heard to that point, I had heard, you know, this fish is like super hard to catch, and it's really challenging, and there's all these different baits and all this different equipment that you need. So it was kind of, it was intriguing to me. Like, I really wanted to investigate and figure out, you know, what these muskies were about, so... That was when we got home from that trip. That was pretty much where my mind went. Was okay. I, I did the pike trip. You know, I I've caught some pike, and now I really want to try to catch a muskie. So we uh, we went full bore into that, 
And really, you know, my love for, for muskies kind of started with the, with musky max. You know, so yeah, now, I think it, oh, sorry, now, go ahead. What year did you, did you first go to Muskie Max? So the funny thing was the first Muskie show that I ever went to was, I, I believe it was at the Butler High School. The Butler and, Fishing Show. Yeah, it was yes. the Butler Fishing Show. And I, I can remember some of the seminars. I know I, I remember talking to Greg Thomas about rods and things. And it I just felt like such, I, was, I was such a fish out of water. I mean, I, I was looking at some of this stuff. And, you know, at that point I had my my ugly sticks and I'm looking at, you know, these raw and real combos that I had no idea what they were. And I think from there, I might've missed a year, but whenever Muskie Max was in Cranberry, um, that was really, I think it was the first year in Cranberry. That was like mm-hmm. the first show I can remember going to and, and being a part of. And it, it, the, the funny thing was, I, I remember it. I still have these boots actually sitting here on the table with me. That show, I had like a limited budget. I didn't know what to expect. I, I walked in there and walked right up to Grandma's Lures. They had a booth and a table. Was she there? She, she was, was there. there. She was there. Like, and, can, uh, can I make a prediction of what her table looked like? She had yeah, all absolutely. these folding tables, and she filled every square inch with the baits. Absolutely. Oh, that's, that's how she set the tables. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> it was Legend. Yeah. When I, when I walked up to that, that table, I, I mean, I was just in awe. Like I, I looked at some of these baits and I, I was looking at a six inch grandma. I was like, like it was a, you know, a 20 inch bait. I was like, this thing is enormous. And I can, I can remember, you know, talking to a few people and I think I picked out like six baits. So I bought six grandmas, a six inch model. And I was like ready to go musky fishing. After that, I was I was super pumped about it. And you know, it was like that was really like one of my first musky lures. And I can just remember going home that night and just sitting there on the couch, just staring at these things. It was like I, I just wanted to go throw them. And yeah, that that show was probably the first musky max event that I was at, and and really, you know, paid attention to because it's one thing to go in and, and just walk around. It's another thing to really talk to people and kind of get a feel for what everybody does and how these things are fished. So, yeah, that was my first real experience at, at Musky Max. Yeah, that. I mean, I'm trying to remember that too. Because what was where? Where was the first year the Musky Max was? Was it actually in Butler? Like the first it, one was it? The first one was in Butler. Like yes. at that whatever that hotel was. Yeah, and it was then, kind of fancy, like a, you know, like a, I don't want to call it like a ballroom, but, and then it went to the, the double tree or whatever that thing's called for a couple years. It was not, it was not fancy. That place is a dump. It's since closed, but, um, I would say that after that, they had a ballroom there where you could have like, you know, a wedding reception or whatever. But after that, it went to that. Sheridan that was right off of 79. Um, Double Tree Hilton. Or something like that. That was Sheridan. Then it changed. But that's that's the area that that actually I saw Grandma for the last time. Um, the Grandma Lures uh, at the show. I believe. I might have been like 14, 15. 
possibly. She's recently passed in the last year. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Uh, Ryan <clears throat> brought up that his first, and, and I think this is a great thing because this is all talking about like beginning starts in the musky fishing. And I constantly go back to, uh, and never forget my beginning years and how much, how intimidating it was and how I was under tackled or over tackled and had no idea what I was talking about. But the, one of the first lures I bought <clears throat> to fish, uh, you know, where I wanted to fish was a 13 inch grandma. Um, and it was rainbow trout colored. And that was your go-to? It was just one of the, I liked the way it looked, you know, I just, I ordered it off, offline, you know. Okay. This is when I had like zero contact with anything. Ryan had a jump start on the curve, you know, with, he's going to these shows, he's understanding these things. I didn't do it, you know. I had no idea what the hell anything was. Um, I was running off of what my uncles told me, which was great advice. Oh, okay. It was terrible. Uh, Yeah. I mean, they just, uh, well, yeah. In hindsight, like I said, I I do everything opposite. You, you've met my uncles. I mean, they seem like fine, respectable gentlemen. I mean, within less than a year ago, (laughs) the one dropped a boat over a break. You know, and this is the guy that, goes around and totes and says that he taught me everything. But, um, so I just went up, I was like, this thing looks really cool. I'm going to buy a 13 inch grandma, uh, to cast like in the York river and immediately get it snagged. And, and that's it. Um, but that was one of the first things I bought was a grandma. It was, you know, that's interesting. Um, but I, I, I love the, the, the look of those lures and, uh, that lady was was a legend, no doubt. She was. I I remember. Okay, so let's 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 end this grandma thing um, with one last story. I remember talking to her at the, I believe Muskie Zinc. They had that little show at Lake Arthur. Uh, I don't even know, 2012 or something like that. And sh- she was kind of annoyed that she you know she was there because like five people walked through the door. But I was just tickled to be there, and you know, I was talking to her a little bit, and you know, she was she said something like, "Every morning, and I, I I'm getting the numbers mixed up right now. Every morning when she'd open up the shop, she would put I think a thousand or three thousand hooks on baits. That's insane. Yeah, and she was just like Skeletor in her hands, and I'm like, you did all of this, like, yeah, that's a lot. You're you're doing like. I wish I could remember if it was 3,000 or 1,000 hooks. Yeah, but, imagine your grandma, your personal grandma, being a uh, musky legend and manufacturer. And putting on 1,000-plus <laughs> hooks every morning. <laughs> like, okay, grandma, like I came over for the famous, you know, like French toast you, uh, or grilled cheese I love that you made. And she's like, no, I'm in the basement putting on hooks. And you should learn that, too. I'm, I'm, I'm really cold. Can you knit yeah. me an afghan? Not with all these hooks that need put on. You're here to work, bitch. I mean, son. <laughs> Grandson. But, yeah. Sweet memories. Check out my drawing. Look. I don't have time for this. <laughs> I'm out of magnets. 
on the on the fridge. You know, I'm not putting that thing up. It looks terrible. Just come down here and see some real work. A musky bait. <laughs> Grandma, I made this for you. It's a picture of your lore. Really? That's a picture of my lore? That looks terrible. Here's a trash can over here. Put it in there, son. Grandma, I, I want to go to the pond and catch bluegill and <laughs> promptly gets backhanded. <laughs> okay. All right, we're going. That That's our ode to Grandma Lord. Obviously she was a sweet lady, but <laughs> she, um, I, whether I, she was backhanding kids or not, I don't know. I don't know either, but uh pretty badass grandma. Um okay. So you're at the Muskie Max. This is intimidating stuff. This is what I talk about, you know. Uh all the time. Where do you start, you know? It's okay. I can. Th- I'm going to give a hint. If you guys are having trouble starting, throw a post up saying what is the best of fill in the blank. <laughs> yeah, thank God I never did that. You know, <laughs> um, but like I, I always said that I would read these magazines that are taught that are pushing an agenda to fish in a different area, and I would do that stuff. That's why I went and bought a 13 inch bait and was just like snagged, gone. Okay, um, so. That's why, like, that's why it's it, it's intimidating. It's interesting to hear uh, from Ryan's perspective um, about these local shows and the Muskie uh, Muskie's Inc. And uh, it can it shortens learning curves and it saves on the pocketbook. I spent like way too much money uh, when on on Muskie stuff that I just trashed eventually. Um, and so that's just, this is great, great information and it's a great story and it's the right way to do things when you're first getting into it. Uh, I wish that I did that. Um, when, when I first got into it, but let's get back to, you go in there, you buy these six grandmas and you're just looking at them in awe. And you're like, I'm ready to musky fish. You did this. You you went and saw a seminar. Uh, Greg Thomas was showing you different reels. You're like in, in rods and you're like, I got to, I'm under tackled. I'm not using the correct things. Um, I have to get one of those. Where does it go from there for you? Well, you know, I, I, I experienced some of what you just talked about too. You know, <laughs> it's easy to read some of these articles and, and get people's opinions. And then you kind of go berserk, you know, just buying everything. That's um, exactly just, what I did. Yeah. And, and I did some of that too. And, you know, it was kind of anybody and anybody that doesn't is, isn't humble enough to say that um, is lying. You know, they're, they're just not being honest. Yeah. It, it's, it's definitely easy you know, to get out of control really quick with all this stuff. And, um, very, you know, very, very easy to target every species aside from this fish that we mm-hmm. have in our backyards and stuff like that. But, you know, you can go into a big box store and buy repellents and hooks and fake worms and dead worms and power bait and go and fish and just say, I'm going to catch whatever, you know, this is different. And, um, for good reason, because they're 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 hard to catch. But 
there's a learning curve there and continue on that run. Where do you go from there? there? Yeah, I think, I think from there, you know, I, I really needed to figure out how I wanted to fish because that, you know, me going out and just buying tons of gear and not really thinking about how I'm going to fish it was like a huge mistake. And, and I think, I think Muskie Max did help me because I could kind of talk to people you know, understand, cause going into that, like I had no idea what was a trolling bait versus a casting bait in the musky world. Like I had no idea what I was doing, but talking to people really helped me kind of start to understand that. And I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out now, but the, the interesting thing is like, I go out and buy, you know, all of these bucktails or big rubber baits or, you know, just things that I may not have been fishing even correctly at that point in time. So you know, I, I think as you continue to to get time on the water, you kind of realize like how you want to fish, whether you want to cast the majority of the time or whether you want to troll. And then I think you start to understand like there's a time and a place for each of those, depending upon what time of year it is or what, you know, what the water temps are, or what, whatever the scenario is. And these are all things like I started learning and trying to figure out while I'm spending time on the water. So for me, after that initial, it was kind of about fishing, you know, it was going out and trying things and, and, you know, trying to develop really my skill set and try to get better. Like I'll give you an example, like working like the last year or so I've been really trying to work glide baits because I had really never thrown glide baits before. And you know, it takes a little bit of practice to kind of get it down and, and, and work with it if you've never thrown a glide bait before. And I think some guys take that for granted. You know, it's when you have somebody that's new to that, it's it's not just an automatic thing. You don't just pick up a rod and, and do it. So I think that was the next step for me after getting some of this gear, really going out and trying to focus on using it, learning how to run the bait or how to cast the bait or how to twitch it and and really just trying to get experience. Musky baits are working man's baits, uh, especially the glider. I always say that that's the most patient and difficult lure uh, to work. I also think it's the most deadly in the river system. Would you agree on that, Andy? I really like my gliders in the river. I, I tend to have more patience with them in the river than in a lake. I mean, it's... Absolutely. You always talk about in the river setting, how you want to make the most out of your cast, right? Oh yeah. With, without a doubt. I mean, I, if, if I, if I come up to a hole that I just, you know, spent 20 minutes driving and five minutes walking and take out that machete that I keep in the bed of the truck and hack my way to a spot, I don't want to blow it up in three, you know, 15 second casts and be like, well, that was fun. So yeah, I use the glider, you know, just to extend the cast on that. But you know, there's just something about having it out there longer and working it around stuff. And, you know, I tend to get more lost in, in just the, in just the working of it, watching it. And, you know, sometimes I don't know if anyone else has done this. You're like, I think there's going to be a fish that's going to hit it. And then like within a few seconds, something blows up on it. Like you, you get mm-hmm. that, you know, like you can feel it going to happen. Like there's an electricity to it or connection, but you know, like when I get out on a lake or something like that and I'm in the boat and I want to say things are faster and I, I tend to have less patience. I don't grab it nearly as often. So it's very, I don't want to say 
it's probably just as effective in the lakes, but I just, it's just how I'm feeling kind of thing. So I can agree with you on that. Um, you know, especially with the inland lakes that we fish all the time and the way that the structure is there. Um, sometimes the glide isn't, isn't the way to go. Uh, and that's why I, I, I choose the Raptor a lot, you know, and there's, and I can, I can agree with that. Like electricity, you feel like I've said it before. I know there's a fish there. I'm going to let the thing pause. And then all of a sudden it appears. Um, but in that river system, um, that glide bait, you just said you, you drove X amount of minutes, walked and hacked away and you're carrying in your rod and reel and all that stuff you're working that spot and I know you hate this word, but as efficient as you can, uh, with the time that you have that glider is out there a little bit longer. Yeah. Walking the dogs. Yeah. And I like it. You know, I also like the, you know, the thought of, you know, you do all this work and you get to this spot and you literally could be casting a bait to a fish that may not have seen another musky bait that year or in its life. You know, it's, it's to me, I don't know. I just, it's just like one of those dumb things. It's like poetry or something like that to me. Just it's there. This is a cool little thing. I don't care if it's a 28 inch fish or a 58 inch fish. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 you know, you're sneaking in on it. So Ryan, do, do you, do you have any experience doing any of that? I, I think, uh, more recently, you know, last fall, I really wanted to start fishing like smaller creeks and streams and river systems. I just, without me having a, an actual boat and kind of relying on, you know, going out with friends or, or people that I know through the club or whatever the case is, I think I just kind of realized that might be one of my best opportunities to be able to fish for muskies is just kind of start in those areas. Um, so I don't know that I've been really bushwhacking yet, but I think since probably December, you know, I've really focused on some of those areas and I like, honestly, I, I was surprised at how many fish I've actually seen, you know, even over the last like two and a half months, um, just really, you know, focusing on those types of areas and, you know, being stealthy on the small water and, and throwing some of these even smaller baits, you know, it's just, it's been really interesting to see that. And I, I think that that in itself is, you know, it's completely different to me than being on the lake even. So I, I really, I'm really starting to love that. I kind of fell in love with that small water, you know, Creek river system stuff. So I think I'm going to try to do more of that for sure. So it almost brings you, brings you back to the beginning of fishing where you would take a worm and a bobber and just go to the lake and do it or, or the river. I grew up fishing on rivers like that. And it's like really uh, impressive and sometimes shocking that those, there's this apex predator um, sitting in this small area. Um, and, I, and I think that's really neat that that's in our backyard. Yeah. It's in a yeah. lot of people's backyards and, Ryan, I'm soon you're going to catch the bug to where you will carry a machete to get through some of these spots. Um, you know, I, I would, you know, the machete's more for summer, but if you want to do a lot of good scouting, 
do it in the summer with the waters low and clear. And you can get a pretty good idea what the what is actually, you know, that big one that got away and you get there and it's just a giant root hanging out and your bait's stuck on it. You know, stuff like that. And when you start to get really adventurous is when you feel like you need to carry a uh, concealed weapon in some of these areas because you're so determined that there's better fish over there. So two things, concealed weapon and machete, because the machete isn't frightening enough. (laughs) I've been on some of those bank ganking trips with Andy. Uh, And that is almost as impressive his uh, guard going into into the spot as seeing the fish hold in this little area. Um, <laughs> is it, you is pop, it anything? You, you, you pop the trunk. I mean, there's a machete, there's a bat, there's a revolver, <laughs> there's a fishing rod. A 1500s musket with the we, flared end, a like, punt gun. Oh, do you think we should take this? Absolutely. <laughs> is it anything like what Andy gets stressed up for to go shed hunting? Very much similar. Very, yes. Very similar. Yes, but a lot more weaponry. Yes. You just never know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's cool. You got uh you know, you're you're, you're taking advantage of uh, what's in in your backyard and uh, experiencing that and. Uh, you know, trying new things out and uh, you're having some success doing it. And there are two different things, the lake and that river. And I, I call them streams almost, you know, where, where these fish hold. Um, I think that's really impressive. And even if you see a bunch of small fish, uh, that big one could show up. I mean, I know Andy caught his giant <clears throat> Pennsylvania fish in a really small area and he's pointed it out to me and I'm just like how in the heck uh the river was so narrow the river is so narrow I could probably cast over it three times on a normal cast so that's what's insane take a normal cast divided by three that's about how wide wide it was yeah yeah even even when we take a boat out there uh, it's it's mind-boggling to me you know to that those fish hold those those small areas. What was that, Ryan? I was going to say that's that's the same. I mean, I was kind of an amazement myself. Like some of the water that I've been staring at over the last couple of weeks, even when I get out, it's you know I've I've had times where you know I've had multiple follows, you know, from different fish, like within probably a fifteen or twenty minute time frame, and I'm just thinking to myself, like where do these fish come from? Like it's, it it just looks like this is such a small body of water, but it's just amazing, you know, how many fish are in those systems. So it's a, yeah, that's been a lot of fun seeing that and really getting to interact with the fish. You know, my first couple of years, I didn't get that much experience, you know, with interacting with the fish like that from a casting standpoint. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's even more fun when you have the fire (laughs) drill of getting, you know, one on. And you're like, oh, geez, what am I going to do with this one? And then you'll get to the point to where you're like, okay, I'll get you to the bank. I just hope you shake off because sometimes that's like a four-foot vertical drop into what could be a foot of water or it could be a foot of water with seven foot of mud. So yeah, like have a plan gonna, every spot. You're going to go in. 
I've gone in before. It. Yes. I, I, I don't have the photo, but when I went in, I had the, the, the camera. This was like a flip phone. Um, I put it on timer for the photo. And as I went in, flip I started. Flip had timers? Mine did. It was a Samsung, <laughs> one of those ones that the screen flipped 180 and it closed and it wow. made it look like I put it on timer and I grabbed the fish and, you know, I, I picked it up and I started sliding into the water because it was just well, a slippery slope. And I got in and next thing you know, I'm up to my waist. I'm holding the fish <laughs> above my head like a 1980s boom box. And you can just like <laughs> see my head cut off in the fish above. I needed that photo so bad. And then I had to promptly go home because I am up to my waist in 35 degree water. <laughs> what was that movie when the guy was... I putting up the boombox. I feel like it was like the Paris Bueller guy. Yeah, something like that. But uh, somebody will message us and say that what that was. But yes, 1980s movie. It definitely it wasn't the Bre- Breakfast Club or Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But that's how you were holding this. Yes, as as I was sliding down because I didn't know if it took a photo or not. I just kept raising it up, so the fish really wasn't moving in the background, but my head was sinking like the sun. <laughs> I would like to see that if you still have it. I, I don't know if I do or don't. I do have some old flip phones that I might be able to charge up if I can find a, you know, an antique, but a charger to do it. But all right, Ryan. So wh- tell us about the uh, your YouTube stuff before we just keep going on dumb sidetracks here. So what what made you want to start a channel? Uh, that's kind of that's an interesting. I mean, it, it really it was just a lot of friends and family that just know how passionate I am about fishing. And really I'm always trying to get like people to go out and start to fish. And it just, you know, me and my brother were talking the one day and we just said, you know, why don't we start a channel? So, you know, how you guys kind of talk about things sometimes and it just, it never pans out. Well, I decided to try it. You know, I was, I started off with my iPhone and just kind of messing around even in my, my dining room, just trying to talk fishing and, and get people engaged. And, you know, from there it kind of morphed into, you know, something that's more, I would say probably more educational with some of the stuff I do. Um, you know, I'm really trying to focus on promoting the sport of fishing, um, getting people involved in it and really just, you know, looking at the sport and talking about bait modifications and, you know, different things that have helped me, you know, learn about the sport. So whether it's trout related or bass related or bait related or musky related, like it's all, it's all incorporated in my channel. It's, and it's really just me sharing my passion for the sport. So, you know, I I try to do some lake breakdown stuff and, and that is really just a ton of research, you know, pulling from a lot of different resources and trying to put something together to kind of help people, learn a little bit more about a lake. So trying to do some biology stuff, um, really researching about specific species of fish um, and, and just putting that information out there and, and just seeing how it helps people or trying to get feedback on it. So that's really the reason I started the channel is just to, to, to share passion for fishing with other people and to get people, you know, sharing in the conversation and, and really to, to share information. So yeah, I mean that's that's really the main reason, and that's you know that's kind of what uh, I'm going to try to continue to do. 
That's great. Tell us about your trip to uh, the fish hatchery. Oh, man, that, was, that was probably that was probably my favorite i would say fishing related experience probably ever you know at this point it was it was so much more special than even you know going out and catching a fish and it was it was just such a cool thing for jared to reach out and and ask me to come up and and see the spawning you know we did some musky spawning um i got to go out there and see the process spend some time at the facility you know see all of the equipment you know, watching and watching Jared, you know, uh, just throughout that entire process and just see how much he loves doing this was just it was a really special thing to be a part of. And, you know, I got to see a ton of muskies on that trip. And in the process, is just so interesting to me from a biologist standpoint, how they do that, how they, you know, how they raise these fish. And then the really cool thing was that I got to go back up to actually help with the stocking and we did a little bit of stocking on Conneaut Lake. And after we were done, Jared took me back down into the facility and all the muskies that we had spawned earlier last year, I actually got to go in and see them and they had hatched and they were swimming around. So it was just, it, it was just such a cool thing what they do. You know, Jared even went beyond muskies. He showed me some of the catfish Um, stuff that they're doing. Um, He showed me some of the process for bass, for trout. You know, they they just do so much for our fisheries. I was just like, I was super pumped to go up there and try to capture some of that that process on video. You know, that was really exciting for me to do that. And, And we were able to do that with the channel. And, you know, hopefully it draws attention to, you know, how much good PA Fish and Boat and, and really, the hatcheries do for the state of Pennsylvania. And, you know, it's just, again, it's just really cool to be a part of that, to see that firsthand. So. Was there yeah, anything that, that, that surprised you on that trip? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, uh, so I probably wasn't, uh, prepared, you know, just to see like part of, so part of the male spawning, you know, Jared has a, it's, it's like a little tube, um, that you basically have to insert into the fish and, and, and for lack of a better term, you know, he's sucking the, the male juices out of there to be able to, to lay on top of the egg. So, you know, I, I, I looked at Jared at one point and I was like, Hey, that has a stopper in it. Right. And he looked at me and he goes, no, it doesn't. So that was, you know, that was a little surprising to me because, you know, it's just, I wasn't expecting that, you know, you've got to be very careful when you're doing this and, really just the whole process, you know, how they handle the fish, um, seeing, you know, how they revive these fish after, after going through the process. And the other thing that was surprising to me was I didn't realize like how much equipment that you need to do that. Cause you know, a normal person wouldn't think you don't really know what the process is for spawning fish. I mean, that's not something the average probably angler even thinks about. And, you know, just being able to see that firsthand, there was a lot that I wasn't you know, really mentally prepared for going in there. And it, it really helped, really helped learn a lot too about that. So I would say that was surprising, Andy. Hopefully that answered your question. Yeah. I mean, I had a bunch of jokes lined up and I bit my tongue. So, um, (laughs) I mean, is, is that probably one of your more popular videos on, on YouTube? I would say, I don't know about the most popular. I, I think it's probably, it's probably up there. I mean, view wise, but 
you know, that's probably my favorite video. And that's the one, if, if anybody's going to go out and watch my channel, that's probably the one I would, I would tell people to start with, um, just because of that, that overall experience. So now I, I couldn't even tell you how many views it has. Okay. What, um, Run, running that channel, I'm sure that there's been, um, like most things that are put out there on the internet, have you been met with negativity or like things that were shocking to you? Maybe comments or anything like that that, you know, just, I guess, took you the other way. Like the most surprising thing about, you know, sort of being a public figure now. Uh I don't, I don't know that I would consider myself a public figure. I think there's definitely negativity. Anytime you're dealing with social media, um, you know, you're going to have people that are negative and, you know, my channel and really the way I try to conduct myself every day is being the most positive person that you can be, you know, not just for yourself, but for other people and, and being passionate about whatever you want to be passionate about and showing that and sharing that with others. You know, I, I think there's there's definitely people that like to take advantage of of uh, negativity. You know, they I've gotten some feedback um, that was probably warranted, and some, you know, not so much. But that's the type of thing. You know, you just don't you don't let that bother you. You know, you just you do what you love to do, and you try to do the best. And the way I've always looked at this YouTube thing was, if I can help one person learn something new about the sport of fishing, then that particular video was a success. So, you know, that's, that's how I'm looking at it. And the, the negativity will, will probably always be there. And, you know, you just, you kind of move on. Yeah. That's, well that, that's always like one, one thing that, you know, I, I listen to a lot of other podcasts and what have you and, and like how people, I mean, it's inevitable. It's, it's going to happen and how people can deal, you know, certain negativities or feedback that they might not necessarily like. So, I was just interested to see, you know, how you're doing it. And it seems like you just let it roll off your back. Yeah, it was, it was hard at first. You know, it's, it's hard to sometimes like sit there and not, you know, not reply to somebody or not replying kind, but you know, ultimately the, the other thing is, you know, some people might just be having a bad day. So it's, you know, people are, I, I let them go and, you know, I just, like I said, I continue to do what I love to do. And that's really just talk about fishing. Very nice. Vance, well, do you have so any I... other questions? What are you looking forward to in uh, 2020 of fishing? Any goals? <laughs> I do. I do have, I usually set, um, I set at least one to three fishing goals uh, for myself. Last year, I had two goals, and that was to catch a fish on a lure that I made and to catch a 40 inch muskie and last year i completed both of those goals with one so fish year, tell me <laughs> no no okay. I, I wish i wish that would have been the case but you know <laughs> i've just i've been messing around with with some bait making stuff too and you know i've had some help from a lot of talented people and i was able to put something together that actually would swim and you know took it up to canada we caught a couple fish on it i was i was really, really happy. Um, this year, the goal that I set for myself, probably two goals. I want to catch, I want to get the double digit muskies for the year. Um, that's probably numbers really aren't my thing, but that's probably a goal for me just because I haven't done it yet in a year. 
So, you know, I'm kind of hoping to, to get to that 10 fish mark. It might, might sound, I don't know if that's a trivial one, but the other one is, you know, I really wanted to try to catch a 45 inch muskie this year. So those are my two, my two goals. I think trips that I'm looking forward to the most this year, there's really the, the first two, I would say, you know, number one, me and my brother have a trip schedule advance. We're super pumped about that. Um, my brother, just started muskie fishing with me recently um you know I've, I've taken him out a couple of times he hooked and lost his first fish so he's really excited to get out on the boat with vance and then uh, we have a trip scheduled with todd later in the year that i'm really looking forward to pressure's but, on oh, yeah pressure pressure's on that um but i've got a lot of trips scheduled with guys from muskie zinc too so I'm really looking forward to just fishing this year and, and focusing on muskies. I just want to continue to learn about this fish and just get better, you know, every single time we go out and just keep it's learning. It's addicting. It's, it is. And you really learn much. every day. You learn every day. Even from yeah. a guide standpoint, somebody that does it every day. I learn every day. It's unbelievable. That's what's fun about it, you know. The drive you have the drive you know it's an obsession um and it's it's great to uh to hear your goals and um hear your upbringing uh, you're on the straight and narrow man well ryan is there anything that you want to contribute before we end this one no i mean i guess the biggest thing is i i just really want to thank you guys for you know, for doing the podcast. Um, I listen, you know, I listen to all the episodes. I, I'm a huge fan of the show, but I really, I get a lot out of these shows. Um, you know, you guys really focus on the sport of muskie fishing and it's been really, really helpful to me. So really just want to thank you guys for all that you do, you know, and, and, um, even promoting like muskie zinc and, and things like that. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. Absolutely. And shout out to you for uh, everything you did for uh, Muskie Max. I mean, anybody that's listening, this guy busted his hump to get that show up and running and uh, to promote it. Um, kudos. Yeah, I appreciate that. It was all, it was all Sean and Tara. They worked their tails off. We were just lucky enough to be a part of it. And, and um, you know, some of the interviews, man, that was, that was amazing. You know, talking to Dale Wiley and, and, and guys like that, it was, it was something really special for me. So I enjoyed it. Looking forward to next year. So are we, I mean, that was, that was great. Yeah. You were all over the place. I saw you going left. You'd be going right. Yeah. You were working. <laughs> so, all right. Plug your YouTube channel again. All right, one last time, Fishing PA with Ryan Reed on YouTube, or you guys can uh, reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram as well. Excellent. And with that, we are going to wrap this show up. So big thanks to Fat AZ Muskie Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, St. Croix Rods, Vicks Marine, Ranger Boats, Baker Baits, and Muskies, Inc. Please support our fine sponsors and check out Ryan Reed's YouTube channel. Uh, with that, um, everyone, weather's getting warmer. Get out, enjoy it, and good luck fishing.